right, KISS Army. Welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. We hope that you enjoy. 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 Welcome to episode 337 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill. Today, we've got Daniel Wheeze back with us, able to stay up late. Thank you. Yeah. And the sun's Good to out. Be back. The sun's out and it's beautiful there, well, right? Yeah, we don't get a lot of sun these days. Well, it actually turned around. So uh, last night was the darkest day of the year. So now the sun is coming up a bit earlier, but it takes until February until we see it after work. And we just so, had the solstice, so the longest uh, right. the, or the shortest day of the year, the longest mm-hmm. night of the year, which is, of course, my favorite day of the year because darkness envelops me <laughs> yeah but but not for like three or four months it's no i i, I think darkness for three or four months is a little bit excessive but yeah you know, there, there you are you know november december january actually three months so they are terrible yeah when it's foggy for a few weeks people get grumpy around here so i don't think they do so well yeah. with the darkness and also joining us ken good to see you voice of reasons hey. 69th blizzard on the board we're going to have a little bit of a a light-hearted episode today we do have a topic and it's daniel's suggestion which we'll get into shortly um but just wanted to cover some of the recent news so why don't we start off obviously it was peter chris's birthday on the 20th um gg chris put together a wonderful video stretched over an hour of uh, people from the industry people who you know Peter's bumped into or, you know, formed friendships with at signing events and whatnot. Some fans who he's worked with um, and Gene Paul and Ace at the end, which was really cool. I, that exceeded my expectations about how fun it was. I pressed play. I thought I'd skip through it, go find myself, smile, giggle and, uh, you know, I, go to the end and see gene paul and ace but uh, i i watched the whole thing through I, I thought it was really touching some of them are like me on camera doing a selfie i'm not good at this you know um, the former mrs stanley uh was kind of funny but there are a lot of love for for peter which was really cool did either of you check it out and what were your thoughts on it um Daniel. I ran through it. I ran through it, uh, you know, looked until I, I saw some interesting people. I, I, I saw, among others, I saw Julian Gill making a a, a greeting, and it, I, I, it was kind of heartfelt, you know. At at one point in time, I thought you were going to to cry almost. It was very. It, it seemed like it came from the heart. So, uh, and that's the way it should be. And I I, I felt that it was an homage to Peter the whole video. And some of the greetings were quite fun, but most of them were like, you know, from the heart. So I, I'm sure Peter uh, appreciated that video. Yeah, it was really fun, actually. Uh, just a little bit of context for mine. I helped a couple of others do theirs videos by doing it on Skype and just recording remote for theirs and only my side for mine. So um, we did about five takes or something for one of them and just kept, you know, it was breaking down into uproarious laughter. And at the end of doing these other three messages, I just come in. I hadn't thought about what I was going to say and just did that straight off the hook. And, you know, at the end of it, I kind of blumble off into nothingness and they did a really nice edit for me there, which is cool. But those two events really, really have impacted me. So it was from the heart. Ken, your thoughts on it. 
Yeah, I thought it was uh, it was great. It was nice to see everybody uh, wishing Peter a happy birthday. I mean, seventy five is a definite definite milestone uh, these days, especially uh, with everything going on. Plus, with you know, we see a lot of rock and rollers not making it um, <laughs> to that age. So uh, he's he's lived the life. He's lived the whole experience. The rock and roll experience uh and he's come through um including you know the cancer survivor um so which is something else in in itself so uh i thought it was great uh i i was watching it i was like man how long is this thing (laughs) i was watching it i had this pause it and then i came back later and and then finished it off um but i saw the whole thing and i was quite surprised that uh uh the former kiss member you know that well the or his is his former uh, bandmates uh you know uh gave a nice little you know uh, happy birthday to him which is cool i was i was quite surprised actually that they all did it um especially paul i was more surprised by him than anybody else i'm so glad that they did i'm actually proud of the three of them for doing I it because I, I know things are not always easy between you know former bandmates and for them to all be classy and to, there, there were no negative undertones I I didn't think I thought they were all yeah. po- you know just good positive from the gut messages to Peter um, what more can you ask for yeah. you know all right more I guess Peter Chris news is uh, Peter Chris music and Richie oh, yes. Scarlet featuring Peter Chris, the Catman and the Emperor dropped this week. And I originally was posting the wrong link because I was posting the, the link to the Emperor's package, which comes with three seven inch singles, one green, one purple and one split green purple. Um Richie's essential CD and the CD single for the new song as well. So uh, that does have a premium price tag attached to it. But if you do go to prudentialmusicgroup.com and you'll have to find it, they do have just the vinyl, just the CDs and, you know, Richie's uh, essential CD is his covers album. Uh, But have both of you had the chance to listen to that song? And if so, what did you think of it? Daniel, let's start with you again. Um, I don't know. Is when was that song recorded? Quite recently, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it was a good song. Uh, a bit cheesy at times, to be honest. You know, <laughs> know the 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 lyrics and so on. But uh, ah, it was quite fun at this point of time. I mean, it's a fun song, uh, and uh, I didn't have high expectations, but it was a decent song and. Uh, Peter pulled it off. Uh, he didn't play anything flashy, but it sounded, you know, all right. Good, solid, traditional Peter Chris drumming, yeah. really. Yeah. I mean, it, it's yeah. basic, but it's solid. Nice little uh, nuances. I like the little cowbell section and then the <laughs> snare section and then uh, whatever the other drums called section. And it is cheesy. You know, they're name-dropping uh, an awful lot of fun stuff, so it's like a song yeah. full of Easter eggs. I mean, it's not as cheesy as that Megadeth song that they did with lyrics from all of their songs through history. 
Um, but, you know, 100,000 years, as mentioned, he, Richie sings some more of a too fast to live and, you know, too young to die, pardon me. You know, right. and, you know, talking about Johnny Thunders and the Metropole and uh, the yeah, it, I'm, you know, it's not that uncommon. I remember Rob Halford when he came back with Resurrection. He had a similar song and he referenced Jimi Hendrix and uh, I walked alone into a fight. You know, that was his, his band as well. So it, it's not unusual, but I've heard it done a bit better to be honest but but it all depends on what the purpose is i think they just did this to to have some fun and to reference uh, their lives and you know that kind of stuff and and, and uh, uh, when you look at it like that it totally works yeah and, and it was fun I, I was you know it was cheesy the riffs like uh something the beastie boys would have done yeah from, you know fight for your <laughs> right <laughs> you know, very similar to that, but some good guitar work by Richie as well. So just enjoy. Come on, on Kiss level of music, it's right up there. So Ken, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I thought it's, it was it was cool. I mean, yeah, it's it's like Daniel said, it's a little cheesy, but it's just it's just having fun, and I, I think it's a major kind of uh, thing to get you know uh, uh, Peter Chris on, on anything uh, these days. Um, so I and you know we sound fine, steady beat, steady, good old steady Peter Chris, you know, um, nothing f- flashy or anything like that. Um, just doing, doing what needs to be done for the song. So uh, I I think it was cool. I, I I haven't purchased it or ordered one yet, but I think I will order a seven, yeah, the seven inch vinyl, one of the you know colored ones. And of course, the song's up on YouTube, and I think it's on digital platforms now for those who don't want all the accoutrements that come with, you know, these various packages that are available. So you can go listen to it for free and criticize it or like it or whatever. So, you know, that, that's kind of the fun part of it these days. Um, other news? Well, today, Leslie West died. We uh, died, I thought. He, he oh, did pass away yeah. this afternoon. I think he was 75. Was sick, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and obviously, Peter just having his 75th. My father just had his a few months ago. Um, and Leslie West is, of course, an important figure in mm-hmm. the foundations of KISS. You know, Gene Simmons, pre-KISS bands, played a lot of Mountain. Mountain comes in as a reference point to early KISS material as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just obviously this year Mm. just keeps on taking Um, but it also keeps on giving because i did see a post on kiss my wax this afternoon of an artist touching up kiss killers cover so it looks Mm. like that might be something coming down the pipeline which would be really interesting depending on what it is because we did some of us did just buy a a new cd of it from uh, japan (laughs) Right. So um, hopefully it is something in the vinyl world that isn't identical to what was in the Kisteria box set or shame mm-hmm. on you. All right. That's that's <laughs> it we have for news in Kiss World. Uh, we probably missed a whole bunch of stuff, but that's perfectly we fine. Need, we, we, we need to talk a little bit about the, the Kissmas Masquerade. I complete. I actually yeah, <laughs> shame, great, shame yeah. on me after having Neil and uh, Jeremy on to talk about that, and I I got my ticket. I 
was doped up on propofol last Friday, so I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to watch it and or how how it's going to be after anesthesia. Um, but I tuned in, you know, here and there. I wasn't able just to sit there and, and watch it. And for 12 bucks for the weekend, yeah. oh my goodness, that was extremely good value. They had some technical issues. And I'm not even upset or disappointed because they're breaking new ground, as they say, about the way to do these sorts of events or as a value add-on that maybe can be utilized in the future for other events. So did either of you catch parts of the masquerade? And if so, what were your thoughts? Uh, I bought the ticket. Um, and to me, this is something that I've been um, longing for because you see all these great events taking place in North America, you know, uh, everything from uh, conventions to concerts and uh, cruises and stuff. But it's very difficult for, for us guys on the other side of, of the pond to, to, to get there. Uh, so this was groundbreaking and I'm hoping to see more of this because uh, and for 12 bucks, I mean, it's it's almost for free. So I watched it. I watched uh, uh, watched it and there were some real high notes. Uh, for example, the talisman played the complete rock and roll over album. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to, to, to see the final two or three songs because uh, the, the something ha happened there, something technical. But uh, up in, until then, it was just great. Uh, but the biggest uh, event for me was, of course, uh, the Unplugged section with Bruce Kulick and what's his name? The Slash Slash. Yeah, Todd Kearns. Yeah. Uh, it completely took me back to 95 when I watched the uh, the Unplugged uh, um, show <laughs> and they sounded great. And it's so awesome to hear those 80s song, songs uh, done by those two. You know, he sings his uh, butt off. You know, he totally nailed uh, I think it was Tears of Falling and Who Wants to Be Lonely. And that was quite... Well, he actually did well on the cruise as well. But but, but this was... It, you had better sound than watching those cruises on YouTube. Uh, crisp sound, um, great vocals, great guitar playing. And uh, it was just... I was in awe when I watched that one. So I actually watched it t twice because I thought it was so so good. And there were, were was other stuff as well that was interesting. You know, Jean Beauvoir uh, did a couple of songs with uh, the Talisman uh, all night and Who Wants to Be Lonely. And uh, I think he did I Love, I it, love loud it Loud as well. And yeah. Detroit Rock so, City and a Crown of Thorns song. Yeah. Mm. I skipped that one, but uh, <laughs> the Kiss stuff was 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 great, and uh, well, he's getting up there in age as well, so he can't really, uh, you know, the the voice goes, he can't really really sing it that well, but but uh, the Bruce Kulick performance with Todd was just spectacular. I hope they do something with that, and uh, uh, yeah. So and there were other stuff, you know. Uh, What's his name? Derringer. He played the Exciter solo. Yeah, yeah. He, he tried that one as well live. So, so, so they played Exciter, the Talisman, and uh, Derringer. Uh, well, it was a bit rough, but it was cool to see. And I, th I thought they filmed it quite well as, uh, also, so it, it looked good. 
yeah, I don't yeah. know. What, on, what, on the what's multi cameras, you on were? the multi camera side, they did a fantastic job of making oh. it interesting and entertaining, not just sticking with one angle. Actually, doing it intelligently, so they impressed me by that. Derringer, I thought was fun. Uh, Exciter was a wreck, um, complete wreck. <laughs> but you know, come on, it was fun, and I'm glad yeah. that they gave it a shot. I, I enjoyed Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo a lot more, but uh, mm. you know, I saw Derringer way back when, you know, in the clubs in the '90s. You know, my friend's band opened for him in a little dive near Wilkesbury at Scranton, mm. PA. Um, so it, it it was fun for that, and I've been listening to a lot of Derringer recently, the mid '70s albums that he did when he was touring a lot with Aerosmith. So Ken, what did you manage to grab, and what we what's what's the word of wisdom on it? Well, I I, I grabbed nothing. I didn't see anything. Uh, I I've been pretty busy uh, as of late, so I didn't even get a chance to. Uh, you know, purchase anything or, or check it out. Um, you know, it's just, it's just been n- not a lot of time for me. So unfortunately, um, otherwise I would have, I would, could have, you know, sat around and watched it all day or a couple of days. <laughs> it would have been great. Um, but, uh, it's just, it's kind of been hectic lately. So, but, you know, I've been hearing the reports from people who did like yourselves and, uh, everyone saying, you know, it's pretty darn good. Everything, uh, was, uh, very entertaining and yeah i would have liked to hear the whole rock and roll over album mm-hmm. and, and so and, would everyone uh, who so would everyone else bruce who and, bought the stream yeah, well, yes bruce and dodd kearns and you know the whole the whole bit um would have been you know, interesting so i don't know if they'll put something out uh, later on as part of this you know i, mean, I you know if they can cut compilate and you know, make a compilation put it on a dvd I'll, i'd buy it um so i could you know ha- have it and check it out uh, on a final note, I just have to add, uh, you know, Rock and Roll Over, my least favorite song is probably Baby Driver. But this version that the band did was about the best version I've heard of Baby Driver. Uh, that guy who looks like Weird Al Yankovic in the band. I'm not sure what he's called. You know, the one with the glasses. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah. He sang it, and he sang it so well. <laughs> it totally kicked us. And another fun thing was during Bruce's um, unplugged performance, uh, he, he told a story about his wife when she was so happy that they were going to play um, A World Without Heroes because the solo on A World Without Heroes was her favorite solo of all time. And as we all know, it was Paul to play that solo. So, yeah. I thought that was quite fun. <laughs> And of course, in, in the Bruce and Todd uh, segment, the wonderful Lisa also contributed. So, you know, just fun again. All right. Well, Daniel, you recommended today's topic. And um, I, I think you might as well explain why we're ranking this album. Well, we've often referenced uh, Animalize when we talk uh, other albums, but I don't think we've ever made a complete run through the album. So uh, I thought it was about time. And for me, this was one of my first albums. So it always have, uh, it always has a a special place in my history. And um, it'll be interesting to discuss this because I know that uh, Ken is a, hardcore Gene fan and it'll be interesting to hear his take on the songs on this album and how maybe he can explain one or two of them to me because 
uh, even as a, a young kid, I had a hard time following his train of thought in, in some of the lyrics. Uh, and I look through them today and, uh, and I still have a hard time following. But, but we know Kiss, they aren't, you know, the greatest lyricists in history. But at times it's even bad for Kiss. And I think there'll be some, some explaining to do on some of these songs in order for me to understand what the hell he's doing about. But there are some good stuff on this album as well, and uh, we'll see how it goes. So I guess we'll rank it as we usually do, and maybe add it up at the end or something, and see we will, see how it all ends up. We will go from least popular to yeah. most popular on the ranking. Um, but first, recap for anyone who's new to listening to this show when you're on um, about your first introduction to Kiss's Animalize mm-hmm. and where it fits into your history. Well, for me, it was, um, you know, it all started with hearing Heavens on Fire and seeing the Tears of Falling video. So I guess it's it started in 85. And then um, I begged my mother to get me some Kiss albums. So I got Animalize and uh, the current one, which was Asylum. So that was my start. So those were the two first. Well, it, I got cassettes at that time, but they were my two first albums so to speak and i just listened to animalize especially the two first songs over and over again i just love those two so to this day i guess some of those songs from animalize are i'd say my top 10 kiss songs of all time yeah and it's going to be the same for me because they're tattooed up here yeah. sonic tattoos um of course this is my kissmas today you know 35 years ago today i bought my very mm. first kiss album went down to kmart and with my birthday money from uh, vestal plaza purchased this album and motley Cruz theater of pain oh, good. this is actually the one for me and then i think the following week with money from christmas i went out and got another kiss album so i got animalized very early on um Again, it's impossible to separate out because of not being a fan linearly of when I filled in the back catalog. But because it was a recent release, it was probably down there. And it just feels like because we saw Heavens on Fire a lot on MTV at the time, along with the videos from Asylum, that it was added to the collection pretty soon. So it's been with me. And it was really, to this day, remains a contrast in two albums because they're very similar but they're also vastly different in terms of the quality of Gene songs. And when you have a shift in balance that markedly between two albums, I enjoy Asylum front to back, Gene and Paul. You know, Gene slightly less, obviously, than, than Paul. But uh, Animalize, I had the biggest problem with Gene's material on this album for many, many years until I let go of my hang-ups. So, again, like you, it's a part of my sonic musical DNA. It's tattooed firmly in my brain, bad lyrics and all. It's still an important part of my personal history. Ken? Yeah, um, obviously I was already a fan, and I was just you know always waiting for the next album. Every year there'd be a new album uh, coming out. So, yeah, I heard... I'm sure I heard Heavens on Fire uh, either. I, I don't know if I saw the video first, but I'm pretty sure I heard it 
on the radio first and then I went down and I actually bought the single first. Um, I bought Heaven's on Fire and it was the import because we had a, a good store uh, record. It had the, like the fireball kind of uh, cover. Yeah. Uh, tennis ball. Looks like a tennis ball, right, right, flying on fire, kind of like the you know what they do for the U.S. Open tennis. But um, but yeah, that's that's what I got uh, at that store because they did had a lot of imports and I bought that, um, and then I just waited for the album, you know, another whatever week or two, and I bought that. So yeah, it was just part of the you know the ritual of trying to you know getting the next Kiss album, getting it on on uh, the day it comes out. Um, and looking forward to putting it on right away and, and spinning all the music. Um, and, you know, I liked it. When I first heard it, I thought it was, you know, all pretty good. Yeah, I knew there were some weaker songs on there, but, uh, you know, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, but you're a linear fan. You were there for Creatures. You were there for Elder and Creatures yep. and Lick It Up and then Animalize. So as someone who had enjoyed, you know, Lick It Up and you were seeing the band live during this era, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, how did you take to the music? What did you think it was a growth, a continuation and particularly mm. the musical guitarist? I mean, it, it was a different year, different guitarist for Kiss at this point. Yeah, I, I was I was kind of, you know, I was sorry to hear, uh, you know, Vinny. It was let go or, or he left, whatever it was. Um, uh, I could tell the sound was different. I was like, who is this new guy? Uh, and then I was like, okay, here and now we got have another guy and see what he does. And, uh, you know, he, he was okay. You know, it, it was like very whirlwind, you know, guitar <laughs> solos. Um, just kind of craziness, uh, but it was a sign of the times where a lot of bands were doing that during that time. Um, so, as a progression, I didn't. I don't think it was a. To me, I didn't think it was a real a progression, more than just a little difference to try to fit in with the sound that was starting to come out. Uh, you know, a lot of the, the the heavy metal, you know, British invasion kind of stuff. Um, just in the recording style and sound right well why don't we get started with our ranking here and as always we each do a ranking we do some funny math me and we come up with a ranking funny from math. least favorite to most favorite for the songs on the album um, a maximum score on a nine song album is going to be nine times three 27 points so did anything get near that all right Starting in ninth place, our least favorite song on this album with a grand total of seven points, While the City Sleeps. Daniel, why don't you get us started on that one? Well, Gene, uh, when preparing for this album, he, uh, I guess he watched a lot of film noir because uh, he prepared for his film roles in like Runaway and stuff like that. And it kind of shows, I think, on the album, because if you look at the titles, for example, uh, While the City Sleeps, that's a movie title. And the same goes for a couple mm -hmm. of the others, or at least they're similar to a few movie titles. So, so, so I think, um, and also, from what I can tell, this song is about like a, 
dark or and um, dangerous city, uh, much like cities can be portrayed in in, uh, in film noir. So I think it was heavily heavily influenced by his film watching on on this album. And uh, but I have a hard time following the story on, on this song. I'm not not a guy who who goes for great lyrics. I go for but but sometimes they are so odd that it perplexes me and I have a hard time focusing on the music um, it's not the worst on this album to me, I had it in in seventh place um, but um, he's trying to paint a picture of a dangerous city and uh, but it it, it kind of, you know at, at, on the one hand it says uh, um, you should like um, uh, burn your bridges and on the other hand it says living well is the best revenge, I mean it doesn't add up to me so uh, uh, and that kind of ruins it a bit for me but uh um as a song i know it's it's not that good <laughs> uh, nothing really happens and i think the the uh the the chorus doesn't you know stay with you and um so it's towards the bottom of the album for me can it was yeah. at the bottom for you <laughs> it was at the bottom for me uh, Daniel, okay. believe it or not, a Gene oh, Simmons song I put on the bottom. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I mean, come on, this is this is not one of his, you know, <laughs> better songs, um, you know, music-wise or lyrically. I mean, it has some good riffs in it and stuff like that, but the, the, there's really no chorus. I mean, it's like he, he couldn't figure out what to, you know, put you know, some more words in there to fill it in. Um, after he says while the city sleeps, you're kind of waiting for something else to happen, but nothing really happens. So it's, yeah, it's, the song doesn't make a whole lot of sense, um, lyrically, um, but even musically, it's, it's not the greatest thing. Um, I'm sure he, he must've had something better than this, but he probably just, you know, phoned in a couple of the songs, you know, sent Paul, a, a, a tape of, and. And this is what Paul chose, probably, <laughs> out of the however many there were. Usually there's like 30-something, 30, 30 to 50 songs that he submits for an album. But, uh, uh, yeah, this is, I'm surprised this, this made made the cut. Yeah, so I have a theory about this song. Gene used to love writing down little phrases, yeah. or little lyrical yeah. ideas down on post-its. Well, I think he put them all in a cookie jar. And one day a cat came over and ate yeah. a bunch of them and threw them up yeah. on the floor. And he I'll unrolled mix. that. And this is the song. Because it really is all of those little lyrical or sentences or just little ideas. Burn your bridges. Go for the throat. Living well is the best of best revenge. You know what goes on behind. I, I mean, it's just one after another. It's an assemblage of all one those liners. of <laughs> rhyming one-liners with a horrendous chorus that doesn't live up to what is a really yeah. cool song title. That's a great song title. Yeah, and yeah. it's not yeah. a great song. And musically, it's meh. You know, so some yeah. of the other Gene songs on here have really strong music tracks this one is just kind of meandering it, it, it it's a it's you know it's lazy the whole thing is lazy so 
Um, yeah. I actually ranked it the same as you, Daniel. Exactly. So okay. uh, that explains why it ranks so low. So let's not waste any more time on that bottom feeder. Let's move <laughs> on to, I mean, it's positively Shakespeare. We have a tie. And okay. uh, on Ooh. nine points, Gene <laughs> continues his run at the bottom with Lonius the Hunter and Murder really? in High Heels. Um, oh, you guys are cruel. Yeah, secretly cruel, Daniel. (laughs) Why do you start on? Why do you talk about both of those? Who who do you want to start? You. Okay. Uh, Lonely is the hunter. Well, I actually tried writing an animalized gene song. It wasn't that hard. I just went to English Idioms Dictionary. You can do it yourself. It's called the address is theidioms.com. And then you just put in some cool words, hell, and then you get a few uh, cool idioms uh, about that. And then you put in like the fire and then you get a few cool idioms. And that's uh, actually what the, the lyrics in Lonely is the Hunter is. I mean, just the first verse is like, put your eggs in one basket. She threw me a bone. Uh, I was dealt a full deck. That's all idioms, guys. And he found them somewhere and just put them together. So this is another one of his worst lyrics ever to me. Uh, on the other hand, he I guess he had an idea. Once again, I think he got it from uh, all the uh, film noir he was watching, because this is clearly about a femme fatale. I'm not sure how you say it in English. It's a French expression, you know, mm-hmm. the dangers broad yeah. in, in those early uh, film noir. And uh, this is about a femme fatale, but once again, he messes it up, so it makes no sense. But uh, when he started, uh, I'm sure he thought he had a good good idea. One problem with almost every Gene song on this album, to me, is also Eric Carr, actually. Because if you mm. listen to some of the Paul Stanley songs, it seems like he's on fire. He's playing his heart out. But most of the Gene Simmons songs, he only keep, you know, the simplest beat almost throughout the song. Uh, and on this song, the drums almost sounds like a drum machine, except for the bridge and the ad- ending. And it's way too long. It's four and a half minutes, and uh, it's very repetitive. So uh, it's almost the same riff throughout the song. So uh, it's not that good, but I don't think it's as bad as, as uh, uh, Murder in High Heels. So I actually have this one in number six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had Murder in High Heels as your least favorite, and that was yeah, tied with it. So move, give us your thoughts on that one as well. Yeah, and once he he reused the idea about the femme fatale in this one, because this is also about a dangerous broad, ain't it? Murder in High Heels. And uh, there's a movie called Death in High Heels, a film noir movie. So I guess he watched that one and just changed the word, maybe. Uh, at least that, that's my theory. Uh and um, uh, the problem with this one, the main problem to me is that there's a riff going through the whole song, and it's an awful riff. That's a good riff. It's a great riff. No. Yeah. It's no cold gin riff or parasite. This is complete garbage. 
But we all can think differently. But to me, this is not a riff that I start grabbing my guitar and start playing that one. No, no, uh, no way near. So the riff is probably the worst on the album. And it goes all through the song. It completely destroy every chance of this being something above one star. So one of his worst ever, I'd say. Wow. Now over to Ken. <laughs> yeah, Ken. Lonely is the hunter and murder in high heels. Okay, well. <laughs> well, you know, murder in high heels, I can understand uh, to a degree. It, it was lower on my list, you know, at the bottom, but it was number seven out of nine. Uh, but uh, I thought it has a great, I like the riff in there. I think it's cool. That's what makes it cool. Um you know, the murder, kind of the spoken type murder in high heels is kind of cheesy kind of thing a little bit. Uh, it's different, though. Um, but, you know, it's it's enjoyable. It's not a bad song, as far as I'm concerned. It's not a bad song. It's not one of, again, it's not a great song either, but it's it's not horrible. Um, now, Lonely as a Hunter, uh, I had at six on mine. Um, I Yeah, I actually like that song, and I almost put it higher even higher in the, in my list because I, I really always liked lonely as a hunter is different. It's, it's kind of, to me, it's like a, you're all that I want part two kind of thing. Um, and I like the breakdown that they do the break, you know, that they do in the minute, the, 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 yeah. you That's know, the, that they go into, which is cool. And I also like the little riff they go into, um, uh, when he says, you know, girls love money, like bees to honey. Uh, that little riff they do with that, you know, da -da -da -da. anyway, uh, it, I don't know. I always, I always kind of liked it, you know? Yeah. It's not the greatest chorus in the world, but I think it's a pretty good song and it's a good, very good guitar solo by Bruce Kulik. So, so, you know, it's a good song. It's just, uh, I don't think it should be really <laughs> at eight or whatever tied for eight. Julian. And loneliest honor. Did you talk about that? I did. Oh, okay. Sorry. Wake up. No, it's 52 days since <laughs> I last had a beer. So. Um, oh my. He's enjoying his beer too much. It'll kick in. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So loneliest honor is my least favorite song on the album. I mm. never liked it day one. I just find it completely turgid, garbage. Sorry, Bruce. Jeez. No, I just I. It's like oh. Die Hard the Hunter was popular, you know, was on the Def Leppard album the year before. Okay, I'm going to have Lonely as the Hunter. You know, and I think Daniel actually raises a really interesting point about Eric Carr and his drumming on these songs. And I think that comes down to the rush Gene was in to Probably. get out, in and out of the studio that Eric didn't have as much time to get set. Um, and also, just, I don't think yeah. Gene pays that much attention to drums. Paul probably gave some you know tips and tricks to eric but but gene just play whatever yeah play, yeah, yeah play that's, that, that's good that's good you know, enough you know we'll, we'll keep yeah, it basic. whereas paul would be nah do it again you know but try this and then i'm still gonna yeah. get schwartzberg into overdub um so <laughs> i i never liked lonely as a hunter i still don't it's just <sighs> tempo lyrics music uh, there's not a single element I like about it. And again, sorry, where do you please. have it? It's my least favorite. Well, least favorite. Okay. Yeah, on the bottom. Yeah, it is oh. at the bottom. Now, murder in high heels, I do like, and that's in fifth place for me. So, 
That's why it's ranked yeah. much higher than it otherwise would be with the way you two have savaged it. Um, because <laughs> I, I do like it. I, musically, I love it. Lyrically, there are bits and pieces. Yeah, it's not really great. It's, again, a little bit of the idiom recycling machine. Um, but it's also a great title. And it does a better job of fulfilling that title with the song. But mu it's the music. It's got kind of everything that you, Daniel, said you didn't like about it. I do. Yeah. You yeah. know, okay. it you know kind of gets mm -hmm. my shoulders. I mean, it's like a almost like R and B metal in 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 a mm. way. You know. So yeah. Not, so that's it. I'm guilty. I have a, I have a Gene Simmons song ranked number five on Animal Eyes ranking. There really? we go. And I feel no shame for that. So let's move on. Let's move on rapidly into sixth place with 12 points. Get all you can take or don't get all you can take. Daniel, your thoughts on that song? Well, um, I've always said that Paul had great songs on Animal Eyes, but this is the only one that's subpar to me. Um, and once again, mostly because I really don't care for the main riff. Uh, uh, and also the whiny voice that Paul uses in this one, uh, on the chorus and on the verse as well. Uh, eyes wide open, tell me what do you see? What the hell are you doing, Paul? You can sing. <laughs> don't sound like a whiner. And at times it kind of reminds me of my least favorite on Creatures of the Night. You know, um, there's a song on there with a riff that's pretty similar. I don't care for that one, that riff either. And the, the vocals are kind of whiny. And that's Keep Me Coming, a way better song, but but, but it's kind of similar. And uh, uh, I just don't like this one. I ha actually had this second to last. Uh, and the solo only adds noise to, to the song. Uh, when I listened to, through this album today I, I it came to me that uh, I, I i don't really like a lot of mark st john solos on this one and i don't really care for bruce's either it's like he's trying to be mark st john and it doesn't just it just doesn't work for me um but there's one thing i like about um mark st john's uh, guitar playing and that's especially when he does something on the intros or the outros of the songs then it fits very good but uh, the solos, ah, as Ken mentioned previously, it's uh, it's very 84, so to speak, you know, noodling and lacks melody. And Get All You Can Take, Paul's wor worst song on this album, and I had it in eighth place, way below a few of Gene's. Yeah, Paul doing his Led Zeppelin practice yeah. session on this one, Ken. Well, I, I like this. It's always been one of my favorite kind of songs on the album. Um, it's not my favorite, but uh, I had it four on my list. Um, I, I like it. It was different. Um, I think this is the first album where, where Kiss, you know, swears on the album. They started the swearing bit um, with, you know, the Burn, Rich, Burn, and, and this one, too. Uh, um, they used the, uh, what, the F word, I think, right? So, um 
I what fucking I just, difference does it make? Make exactly, exactly. Um, I was like, oh, I was surprised, you know, to hear that coming out of Kiss because uh, that they never did that because they were didn't want to upset the the masses and the little you know those younger kids uh, back when they were in makeup. But um, I th- I like the song. I like how it goes from there's two two different types of verses uh, that happen. Uh, at the beginning of the song, and then the and then it switches up another set of verses, but it's different. It's different music, different melody in there, and then it kicks into the you know you got to get all you can take. Um, I enjoy it. The whining part, yeah, he, I I can see what you're saying. He's kind of you know trying to reach the higher echelon in his voice, uh, where I'd rather he didn't do that. You know, I, I like his natural. Uh, voice when he sings, but I, I like the song. I think it's a a good song, and it, it's it's different. It's not your standard. Uh, sure, it's different. It's different. It's not your standard. You know, one, two, three, four, whatever. You know, put no. together a song. It's it doesn't sound like some of the other things that he he normally writes. Yeah. So in the seventies, you didn't want to annoy the parents, or the kids wouldn't buy. exactly the albums in the 80s you did want to annoy the parents so that the kids would buy your albums and that's a good illustration of why what (laughs) difference does it make starts yeah kiss Kiss tried to be so dangerous but i remember during the convention uh no the unplugged session unplugged 95 uh you remember domino had that line she got me by the balls but they quickly changed that one to got to have it all not get mtv to to get them off their back so so they, they weren't really that dangerous yeah what would MTV in 1985 have made of Cardi B? Yeah, wow. exactly. <laughs> well, they'd have no idea because they don't they don't know what music is now. So, all right. So moving on into uh, yeah. Actually, I didn't say anything about this other than there are two Paul songs I don't like on this album. This is one of them. They're just okay. uh, again, they're the, the tempo, and they're just like. I, I criticize Gene as being full of his one-liners. Well, get all you can take is one of full of Paul's kind of one-liners. All right, so moving on into fifth place, middle of the pack on 15 points. I'm very, very disappointed by this. <laughs> Under the gun, Daniel, yeah. you, you you rate it so. Yeah, I I've always liked Under the Gun from day one, from from the first time I heard the album. I like this one and. Um, it's the standard fast Paul song that uh, was on the albums during the uh, 80s. And I think Mark maybe wouldn't care for this one because he seems to uh, not like these fast Kiss songs, but I always like them. And um, this is a great example of Eric Carr uh, being Eric Carr, you know, playing awesome uh, with variation, with punch, uh, kicking the shit out of his drums and uh, uh, very Eric Carr-like variations on, 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 on the drums. And that was one thing that I liked immediately about Kiss, you know, putting on Asylum, hearing King of the Mountain, you know, it starts with the drums and the drums are so fun through that song. Uh, uh, and then putting on Animalize and the same thing goes for the first song on here. And Under the Gun has great Eric Carr drums. Um, and this is another song that I 
kind of resembles one song on on creatures at least at times i think the the main riff make makes me think of the title track of creatures of the night the chugga chugga guitars you know uh and there are some fun parts in this one you know that when they do the 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 choir singing take aim and fire and all that stuff uh, and the ending is cool and that's this is an ending where mark st john's playing fits very good so uh, i think it's good from start to ending and it's very energetic and i think it worked well live on on animal eyes live uncensored and also on the on they kept it through the hot in the shade tour as well so so i think it's a real good song i had it in third place actually um yeah my second favorite song on the album da 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 and again the creatures of the night you know reminiscent Mm. riffing the uh epic eric carr call out fire you know um very cool which I, i like songs where they scream fire you know being a european hard not to um great great song i mean really i again I cannot hear this song enough and listening to the demo or the, you know, the studio work tapes of, you know, where they left that section at the end for Mark to work on getting that little so- yeah. newly bit in you do, from, from the bed track of just the, the metronome tick, 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 tick. And then Eric Carr's drums. Again, it's all about mm-hmm. Eric Carr's drumming. The guitar mm-hmm. performance is absolutely fantastic as well. It really is driving. It's probably the best illustration of Kiss doing mid-80s standard metal well. Um, it really yeah. fits in with kind of the the Dawkins or the Rats, though not with the similar guitar tone to Warren and George Lynch, um, but also very good tone in itself. So great song, um, but Eric Carr screaming fire is just really nice and now we'll see why it isn't in the top three let's hear it ken ken yeah because it was number eight on my list yes ken yeah that's because you know they're they're trying to reach you know paul did this like you said a few albums you know give me more maybe and uh this song and a couple other ones i'm alive maybe yeah yeah that's another one that's the other one that's uh kind of falls low on that list for that the other album um so yeah this this is too much of a reach this is a again yeah paul trying to follow the the trend um and uh he's he tried it a couple times and i i don't i don't get it It, you know just stick to what you're you're best at so to me yeah they play well it's it's done well but it seems like it's just too much of a copy of some other you know band like you said julian there's you know Dawkin or whoever iron maiden whatever um <clears throat> trying to go for that kind of speed speed metal or whatever you want to call it um so i never really cared for it, it it's fine it's you know decent but uh, to me it's that's not that's not kiss that, that that song is not kiss to me um you know, stick stick to what you do best, and don't try to follow the trend, which they you know did now and then. So it's it's low on my list. So kiss, stay in your lane. So stay say in the voice of reason. <laughs> mm. Stay in your lane. 
Uh, well, but, they know, left, car, they, like said, they left the lane great, in '79. So. Yeah, they got out Already. of the lane. So. They yeah. never were the lane. They were the highway. Yeah. Oh wait, yeah, hit yeah. the highway. All right, so moving <laughs> moving on rapidly into fourth place on 16 points, "Thrills in the Night," which is my least favorite Paul song on this album. I have it in eighth place. I have never liked this Paul composition. I find it slow, turgid. I don't like his vocal phrasing in any way. I do like the lyrics, oddly enough, but it's just the the tempo of the song I just find to be dirgish and just too slow, too low uh, on on the vocal and just very, very boring. Daniel, your thoughts on Thrills in the Night? Yeah, um, they don't really have a ballad on this album. This is the closest thing. To me, Thrills in the Night was like an early version of High Your Heart, you know, somewhere in between Heaven and Hell, somewhere in between uh, a ballad and a a rocker. Uh, And at times, uh, drums can get a bit boring on, on ballads. But once again, Eric Carr doesn't, it doesn't, keep doing the same beat, boring, uh, bass drum, snare, bass drum, snare. He, he, he variates it on, on this song. Uh, he, he, um, he uses the hi-hat a whole lot and uh, uh, does, I don't know how you say it, 16s on, on, on the, the hi-hat. And I think it really works. Uh, the only thing I think is a real downer on this one is, is the solo once again. It's a bit too much. Uh, I would have liked to see maybe... Paul Stanley doing the solo to this one, uh, uh, creating something in the vein of uh, a world without heroes or, or the beginning of that song on Rock and Roll Over, where where he played the first part of the solo. So um, I think it's a good song. Um, and once again, watching Animalize Live Uncensored, it fit kind of fit it, fit in well with the other songs, and I think it was a, a pretty good song. Uh, so for me, it was number four. Just behind under the gun. Well, for Ken, it was yes. number two. So come to oh, the defense of Mr. Stanley, what? please, voice of reason. Yeah, I thought it was a great one. It's, it's a great different song. Yeah, it's kind of like a power ballad, I guess, right? To a degree, uh, a little bit heavier power ballad. But uh, I, I like the riff uh, in in the, all the verses. Uh, very different. Uh, for for you know Paul to write something like that, and maybe it has to do with his co-writer, uh, was it Jean Beauvoir? Um, um, maybe it has to do with it. Uh, but yeah, I think it's cool. It has a great lead into the chorus, and it's kind of catchy. I'm surprised it wasn't. I think they wanted to, you know, it was a second single. I think it was. Um, uh, you know, I'm kind of almost surprised it didn't make it as a hit, but maybe they didn't promote it, you know, promote it enough. Uh, but I, I like it. I think it's a great riff, different, uh, but it's it's catchy enough uh, to be, you know, possibly a hit. But it, I guess it never really made it, unfortunately. Yeah. And the video didn't make it either. They were supposed to do some video where that, they were dressed as monsters. Well, they, and stuff. They, they literally didn't make it. Oh. Yeah, it was just a. Uh, they got they all dressed up, compiling some live footage, as the which is unfortunate. It would have been great had they done a video, a proper video for it. But yeah, especially with the title, they could have had a lot of fun with that. <laughs> yeah, in the mid '80s. 
whether or not it would have been shown would have been a different matter. All right, moving on into third place, and Mr. Gene Simmons. You get a bronze medal in third place on 18 points. Burn, bitch, burn. Ken, let's start with you on that. Yeah, I know. I've always loved the song. Uh, not maybe lyrically, so not, but the but the the sound, the the, the cool riff in it uh, was very you know very you know different. Uh, not you know so much different. Gene Gene seems to come up with some cool riffs. And sometimes it's just incomplete songs that the riffs don't fit into. Uh, but this one, I, I, I do like it. Uh, I guess, yeah, I think he could have probably done something with the lyrics. Um, this is another one of those, like Daniel was saying about the, 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 you know, the, the lyrics that he, he came up with, um, you know, into the, out of the frying pan, into the fire, these cliches and stuff like that, um, that he did. Um, uh, but you know, um, the, the chorus is not the greatest, but I think the, the riff, and song musically uh, kind of overtakes that the lyrics and and makes it a, a you know a good memorable song for me. Uh, I you know I never I never skip it. I always always like to hear it. Daniel, it's right in the middle of your listing. So while I grab a final beer, why don't you give us your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, number five on my list. Uh, by far the my favorite Gene song on the album. Uh, uh, and it's my favorite riff, as you said, Gene. Uh, no, Gene. <laughs> Ken, as you said. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's uh, it's a really cool riff. Uh, and uh, I also enjoyed the uh, Gene vocals on this one. It kind of yeah. made me think of Lick It Up a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. vocals in the vein of uh, Fits Like a Glove or something like that. Or, or not, not for the, the innocent. innocent. I mean... Yeah, so 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 he's right. like singing real well on this one, sounding angry, sounding like yeah, the demon character. And yeah. I always like Gene songs when he sounds like the character. Uh, so that's a high note on on this song. Um, and there are some variation on this song. Um, it's not just the same old thing going through. I kind of like it when they stop the music and Gene says with his dark voice, so just burn the one complaint I have about this one and once again I think it's because it was rushed imagine if Eric Carr would have played something like he did on you know I've had enough into the fire or under the gun on this one it could really have pushed it all the way to to be in a great song but if you listen again to the song and listen to the the drums it's just a standard beat throughout the song and mm-hmm. that's the big downer on this one. But other than that, I, uh, and the lyrics, of course. But 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 other than that, I think this is a, a good Gene Simmons song. Other than unfortunate logs and fireplaces. Yeah. Um, I, I well, think at least he tried something by himself. I don't think that's in the English perfect. dictionary. But all the other stuff, you beat up more than you, you, you can chew. Anyway, you slice it, burn your bridges, what? keep your tails between your legs. I mean, yeah. Oh. It's the perfect, you know, you know, logging your fireplace, you know, Christmas song. You know? It, it, it is. It's, it's that Christmas hit that never was. Oh, 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 oh. Christmas yeah. song, I mean. There you go. Um, 
<laughs> but it is my favorite Gene song on the album, yeah. and it probably benefits in some way from being the first Gene song on the album. After you have two Paul songs at the beginning, this one comes in, and you're like, okay, you cringe a little up in parts, and then you get the other three, and you're like, okay, that one's much better than the other three. Um, I'm going to stick with that. But musically, I really like it. It's a powerful musical track, and I agree with Daniel that if it had a better drum you know part a, a more mm-hmm. uh, a better captured drum essence it could be something else and you know it, the chorus is what it is I'm, I'm not sure what on earth it means um but yeah. it sure sounds bad and he sure <laughs> sings like not for the innocent he's in character so he's really serious about it as well so it must be good yeah, it's. I'm, I'm convinced. I still am to this day, 35 years later. Um, yeah, I, I do enjoy. It. I was singing it in the car on the way back today. I'm just like, <laughs> I the stopped. window open, right? Yeah. No, I, I, I just stopped and said, "What on earth are you doing, you idiot?" You know, singing along to that song. That well, is, you know what man. made me happy for a moment. So let's get into the top two here. And um, I'm going to give a recap of everything else because it's pretty clear which ones are the top. Uh, In ninth place, While the City Sleeps. In eighth place, Lonely is the Hunter. In seventh place, Murder in High Heels. Um, That'll be my Ace Fairly album arriving. In sixth place, Get All You Can Take. In fifth, Under the Gun. In fourth, Thrills in the Night. In third, Burn, Bitch, Burn. In second, on 21 points, Heaven's on Fire. And I, I wish we could have done a Queen, all three of us, doing that intro warble of Paul's, uh, his little <laughs> vocal warm-up, but uh, we're not going to be able to. Let's see, who had it as their favorite? Daniel, it was your number one song on the album. Yeah, actually, those two songs that you mentioned are, uh, you know, head and shoulders over the rest, I think. Yeah, they're just... Uh... I'd give them 10 stars out of 10, both of them. Heavens on Fire, you've heard it so many times, you might have gotten a little bit tired of it. But uh, uh, I, n- I never get tired of it. it. It was my introduction to Kiss. And I still think it's one of my favorite songs uh, to this day. And, you know, everybody knows about Heavens on Fire. And especially over here, I think it brought a whole lot of Kiss fans uh, from Scandinavia uh, into the KISS army. Uh, when you speak to other KISS fans over here, they always mention Heavens on Fire because it was a, it was huge over here. Uh, I, still to this day, I think mo- that's the most recognized KISS song over here. Uh, and uh, that's not, it's not much to talk about. I think it's perfect from start to finish. It's a simple one. But uh, Lick It Up was simple as well. So I think it's a, you know, a way, a continuation of the Lick It Up song, sort of. He found the formula that worked and continued it. And it's always fun to see Desmond Child's uh, titles. You know, he always mixes, not always, but often something bad with something good in the title. You know, you have heaven and you have fire, which is like hell. He always does, uh, does that a lot. You know, you give love a bad name. Dude, looks like a lady. Bad medicine. I hate myself for loving you, John. Yeah, so so that's an old trick of his. Uh, I always enjoy it when when he uses that trick. But mm. great song. Love that John Jett album, by the way. Um, hmm? Yeah. Yeah, Heaven's on Fire. 
It's just impossible. I love that guitar. I love that video, as dorky as it is. Um, his hologram. I can't remember the, the brand of the guitar. But the song is fantastic. I think it's way better than Lick It Up. Lick It Up's just, like, so slow. But this is, like, f- fire and passion and, you know, great song. Ken, it's the middle of the pack for you. Middle of the pack, and I think part of the reason is, like Daniel said, it's, you know, maybe I've gotten sick of it, uh, and I'd rather hear some of these other songs first in front of it. Uh, because maybe I haven't heard him and gotten tired of them at all. Um, but yeah, it was kind of, a, to me, it's a, I think it gets less points for me because one of the reasons is it was an, another attempt to try to write another, another lick it up type song. It was too, it was too obvious to me. Uh, though again, you know, I love the song. It's just, I'm putting it in there because I'm more tired of it than anything else. I obviously really enjoyed it when it first came out. I thought it was, you know, you know, great. Just a fantastic song. So, but again, just these days, it falls down a little bit for me because I want to hear these other ones uh, first. Uh, but yeah, great song. It's just in the middle of the pack on mine. Yeah, fair enough. You know, when I did the intro while screaming in the car today, all four windows rolled down simultaneously. <laughs> Won't do that again. All right, in number what's, one. What's wrong with that guy? It's clearly, <laughs> I've had enough into the fire. I mm. think this is one of the very best lead-off tracks off a Kiss album. I actually do like it more than Creatures of the Night as a lead-off track, as a song. Um, it... it Again, from the first time I heard it, it was everything I needed on a Kiss album to set the tone that would not be fulfilled throughout the album, but it sure laid down a gauntlet that couldn't really be matched. Um, Daniel, you had this as your second favorite. Yeah, uh, brilliant song, and as you said, a brilliant opener of of the album. Uh, Standard Kiss lyrics, although it's Kind of remember it. Kind of re- uh, reminds me of of uh, the Twisted Sister hit from the same year. You know, we're not gonna take it, but with a bit more edge to yeah. it. Uh, strong ending as well as a strong beginning. I mean, it's very um, very planned, very very carefully done. I mean, every part seems to uh, have been dealt with uh, with a lot of thoughts and uh, trying out stuff and uh, it's like the opposite of the worst gene song songs on the album uh, just a brilliant piece of work and interesting drums and strong main riff um, so just a really really good song i like it a lot yeah jagged and biting it really it's yeah. a tough it's a tough song um yeah. ken it's your favorite yeah it's a yeah i think it's like you it's a, a one of their best uh album lead-off songs uh, uh of their you know many many albums um and they you know it's, it's proper <laughs> i mean i can i can see this fitting any in on any other you know place of the album than the, being the lead-off song um yeah so it's like a it's kind of like you know how Paul does his uplifting songs. It's kind of like that. It's like a fighting back song. Uh, you know, fight. I'm fight. You know, I, this is I've had enough. You know, I'm gonna show you, kind of song. So, uh, it's very cool. Great lyrics. Great, uh, you know, uh, 
chorus. I like the I like the bridge, you know, when he's saying, you know, wishing and hoping, you yeah. know, won't get you nothing, praying and scheming. Yeah, no time for dreaming. I've got the power, right? This is the hour now, and then he goes in, woo, yeah, into his falsetto or scream, um, and uh, yeah, it's great, great song, great lead up, great solo on it too. Actually, solo is really, really good. Um, so happy with that one. That's why it's number one. But I don't think it works so well live. I think it was a little bit tougher to perform than yeah. probably, yeah, yeah. Much like King of the Mountain, the, the did they play, it? play live, I think. Did they play it on the Animal Stone? Yeah, they, yeah. they played they it in once Europe. or twice. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember if they England. played it. They never played it in the U.S.? Uh, I don't uh, think so. Early I can't on, remember. I think, when, when did they start the tour? In uh, November, in November 84. Um, yeah. Pennsylvania, I think. They probably, they probably stopped before they. I saw them in Oakland or whatever. Yeah, because, you know, there's, I think it's Ipswich, I can't remember uh, which British show, or Brighton. I mean, they had Burn, Bitch, Burn, um, a bunch of songs that only got one outing, uh, or two songs that only had one performance. I don't have the website open, and I don't know all this shit by the top of my head, but um, a lot of this album got performed, but a lot of it clearly did not work live, and a lot of it clearly didn't work with the rest of the material. So uh, at that point, you've got Bruce, which I think is really fascinating, because then you get to hear his interpretations of these songs mm. wholly, you know, uh, as he was then by de facto the guitarist in the band. So mm-hmm. it's really cool from that point of view. So I'd love to hear some additional soundboards, you know, from yeah. early on in the tour when a lot more of the album was in the set than later on. You know, Thrills in the Night, I didn't think, worked live. Heavens on Fire works fantastically. Under the Gun obviously did as it stuck in the set, but uh, you know, there you hmm. there you go. So I have no idea we've ever talked, you know, in depth. I don't go back and look at our episodes and yeah. see if we've talked about it. It's what we feel like talking about this week, or what one of us suggests that we talk about, and as an opportunity to get Daniel on the show outside of school time when you can stay up late with the boys. Um, yeah. Thank you for the suggestion because it's great to touch on the '80s. You know, it's it's too easy to talk about '70s this, '70s that, or yeah. you know, current stuff. The '80s is a neglected era, and I've you know enjoyed the challenge of just listening to this album quite a few times over the past week since we decided to make this the episode. So, yeah. when we talk about logs and fireplaces, this is your very merry Christmas episode from the Kiss FAQ crew. We appreciate you supporting us all year long and listening to our show. Yeah. We look forward to your comments about this album and how one or the other of us is absolutely wrong with our opinion. Well, if that's the case, share your opinion because uh, we'd love to hear from you and your thoughts on this album. So for now, from Ken, from Daniel, myself, and the rest of the KISS FAQ team, Merry Christmas, and we'll see you next week. Yeah. Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.